this day is the theme verse, which was for the youth gathering, which is the Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, which I don't know if you noticed that this week, the epistle lesson started at verse 21. Last week, the epistle lesson started at ver ended at verse 14. It skipped over our youth gathering theme, and I didn't want to wait until Christmas to get to it. So, because that's when it comes up. But it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's the text. Grace to you and mercy from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I mentioned, that was the theme during our days in Houston, which... In case you don't know, Houston is a great cure to Iowa heat. Because when I got back, it was 93 degrees, I thought, you know, this isn't too bad. So it worked pretty good. But, and as you notice, like, somebody made a crack. It's like, you know, it's so warm in Houston, let's cool down and go to New Orleans in three years. <laughs> but the gathering theme was that verse. And much of the the gathering was kind of pretty heavy in terms of the themes. And it's, this sermon is going to be heavy. If you notice that song at the end of it, which was for King and Country, they had a concert on Monday night. And that, if you're wondering why that was not live streamed, it was pretty much for legal issues. They could not do that. But if you notice the words to that song, it is heavy. There's a reason I started it when I did was right when you got to all those statistics. Because I felt that was a more appropriate song at that point. So let's go back to a text that we are probably, many of us are pretty well familiar with. Genesis chapter 3. So God created the heavens and the earth, and it was what? Good. Not just good. Very good. So there's no sin, no death, no darkness, no sickness, no colds that I apparently decided to take as a souvenir from Houston. None of that. And God gave the command to the man and the woman not to partake of any fruit. Not to, they could partake of any fruit, but not any fruit from the tree in the midst of the garden. Well, the day came. The woman was by the tree. There was a serpent, which as we know from Scripture, that serpent was the devil. And he he questioned God's word, and he convinced her it was not so bad that God, he, gave, he did his best politician's truth, which is your half-truth, where, oh yeah, you're not going to die at this very moment, but you will die eventually. He didn't tell the full truth. And so she looked at it, thought it was desiring to the eye, and so she partook of the fruit. She gave it to her husband, who was, where was he? With her. 
So he just gave, he gave it to her. She partook of it. Or he partook of it. The world fell into sin. And the consequence of this was the brokenness of relationships. Well, the first consequence. The man blamed the woman and God for giving him the woman. The woman blamed the serpent. And then they're told that they would indeed die. That from the sweat of their brow, from the thorn, and the thorns and the thistles they'll work. That childbearing would be painful. And the very first very real consequence of what they had done, of course, they had to be clothed because they were ashamed that they were naked. And I'm going to come back to that. They're cast out of the garden, but when it became very real was when Cain murdered Abel. They saw, they witnessed the fullness of the consequence of that fall. Now let's jump forward to 2022. The consequence of sin that still exists. See, when we talk about the law, sometimes we, talk, we can talk about our sins, which definitely need to. But a lot of times, one of the ways that we talk about the law is its consequences. This is why when you go to a funeral, the pastor usually goes pretty light on the law because the law is right in front of your face. That person is in that casket because of sin. So there was on Monday night at the youth gathering. They, there, we were all supposed to have some cars. Uh, in our case, we forgot it at the hotel. But the rest of the group, but we all had a number, five, six, seven, whatever. And if they shouted out your number, you were to stand up and they say this this group of people in relationship to the stadium represents the percentage of people in the United States that struggle with this or that. Now, I don't have, you saw those statistics actually in the video, but I have my own statistics that I look through. And I have some of the same ones they have, but I have a few additional. So, from my research, 14.1% of youth in the last year in the state of Iowa experienced at least one major depressive episode. 36% of all Americans express feelings of loneliness, 61% amongst young adults. 38% of youth are growing up in a home where their parents are not married, for whatever reasons that may be. 22% experience bullying. 16% have taken explicit pictures. This was one that came up at the gathering was 44%. This is, a, this is actually a survey that came out this year. 44% felt continuously hopeless amongst high school students. And if you want perspective on that, in 2009, that was at 26%. That's an 18% increase in just over, what, 12 years? 13 years? Sorry, math on the fly. 2019, it was at 37%. So if you think the pandemic was the whole reason, it was already up by 11% before the pandemic ever happened. Suicide. 
3,703 ninth through 12th graders attempt suicide in the United States every day. There's been an increase of 6.3% in 2009 to 8.9% in 2019, 11% among female students. So when we sat in on our, we sat in on a session that was about suicide, they had mentioned that boys are four times, men are four times more likely to die by suicide than women, which is true. But women are more likely to try. Men tend to take more aggressive forms. 18.8% of students nationwide seriously considered suicide in the last 12 months. Amongst girls, that's one in four. 15.7% have made a plan. 17 to 35% of youth have committed, can take a plate or have acted in self-harm. 43% of those is cutting. And by the way, suicide and self-harm are not the same. Suicide is when you're trying to end it. End it. Self-harm quite often is just to try to feel something. And this one, I think this is, and by the, so you remember when they fell into sin, what was the very first thing? They wanted to cover themselves up because they realized they were naked. They're ashamed of their body. They're ashamed of what God had given them. 53% of 13-year-old girls are unhappy with their bodies. Among 17-year-olds, 17, 17 that's 78%. And is anyone at all surprised by that? That is our world. As they went through the statistics, they went through the brokenness of our world, the consequence of a world marred by sin, cannot help but think of the faces of people with every little detail. There are things that I was thinking, boy, this is something that I know this applies to this or that person. And so the theme of the week was in all things. That God, who or Christ, is in all things. Well, who is Christ? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. In other words, he is, this is the one who is in all things. He is in us, he is in, this, with us, in the midst of those moments where we are struggling with our appearance. Which, by the way, some of the things that affect our appearance can be sin-connected, like in my case, being, being away, overweight. But, but ultimately, our body is something that God created. It's a gift from God. And the shame we have in it is ultimately a shame in our Creator. This is an evidence of our brokenness. Those percentages, by the way, are not are showing no one, people are not alone. But it does show the depth 
God is with, with those who feel these doubts. God is with you in your depression. God is with you when you feel lonely. God is with you when you struggle with the relationship that your parents have or one parent is absent. God is with you when you are bullied. God is te there telling you that you do not need to sell off yourself to get approval by taking those pictures. He is with you when you feel hopeless. He is with you in those thoughts of suicide. He is with you when you feel that you, the only thing you can do is harm yourself, to cut yourself, to feel something. Here's another statistic. So, couple, so weird thing is I have not actually been here for three Sundays in this church. The reason is is because well, first there's Heritage Day, so we were out at the park. The next Sunday I was preaching in Ute, and the last Sunday I was in the youth gathering. And so when I preached at Ute, I preached on the text that the harvest field is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Are few. And these are the statistics I brought to them about the harvest field. Right now, according to most recent statistics, 29% of Americans are identified as non-religious. In other words, they are either atheist, agnostic, or have no religion at all. That's up from 16% in 2007. 21% are Catholic and 40% are Protestant. It is, it is not going to be long before they are the largest group in this country. Only 81% 81, 81 of Americans believe in God. That was a survey that came out just in June. And if you think, oh, 81%, that's pretty good. 2011, it was 92%. 11% drop in 11 years. Here in the harvest field, when we have all this hopelessness, all this brokenness, the one that can mend it is being abandoned. We're seeking hope in all sorts of means, anything and everything, but our one God. There's an article that I'm actually planning to write an article kind of closer to the youth gather, or not, closer to the school year, sorry, for the courier. I, I don't write as much as I used to just because ideas don't come as fast as I'd like. But kind of one to encourage kids as they get to school to actually carve out time for church, youth group. And the reason is, is because of all the things that youth are involved in, whether it be school, sports, work, and this is true for parents, whether it be your jobs or whatever, so much of your life is all about people judging you and measuring you. When you go out onto the field and you're playing football, they're going to be looking at you. Ah, how you well, how's your form? Ah, did you make that? Oh, look at that dumb pass you made. Look at that. Oh, why didn't you make that cut? Oh, you missed that tackle. You've got to tackle better. And you can hear it from the stands whenever you miss that. It's constant judgment. School, it's all about grades. You've got to make the right grades because you want to get the right school. But some may be shooting for valedictorian or whatever. 
Work, it's all about production. What do you produce? But when you come to church, God looks at you and says, yeah, you're broken. But welcome. He welcomes you and he loves you in spite of who you are. And he comes and invites you in the brokenness that your sin is and what it has wrought upon your life. And he says, see my hands, see my feet. This is what I've done for you. By his wounds, you are healed. This is one of the cool things I loved about the communion wear at the gathering. And I did buy it. It was $150. But it's a good, it's a nice keepsake to have. But on Tuesday night, it was a theme all about brokenness. And if you looked at the communion wear, there's a little like crack, like right in the middle of it. Now, they didn't really meld it together. They just artistically put it in. The whole symbolism is, is that when we come to the altar, we come as broken people. People who have broken God's law over and over and over again. We come as poor, miserable sinners. And he gives us his bread. In, when, you know, he's in all things and he is in the bread. His body is in, with, and under the bread. His blood is in with and under the wine. And you receive it and you eat it, you drink it. And he who is in all things, who created all things, is in you. And you who are broken, he makes whole. He mends together. He forgives you. He renews you. He strengthens you. In fact, that is something that you did the first time when you were baptized. You come as a broken one. And in baptism, he mends you and brings you together by his blood. He who is in all things, who created all things, is in you. I don't know if you saw the, in the video, there's two photos I did for the girls where it said priceless. Sorry, boys aren't priceless. Just kidding, they are too. But the reason was because there was a part where there was a song that was stunned by King and Country. And, and, the re and so they did this whole thing, and the big F emphasis was on human trafficking. Well, the one thing I wanted to make sure to do was, during that song, I got a picture of the girls. And, well, the ones that let me take a picture. And I wrote, Priceless. And the reason is, is because they are daughters, children of God, bought by the blood of Christ, and so are the boys. But is very specific on that case, dealing with the way girls view themselves, the way women are treated. You are a child of God. But the thing is, you heard that non-religious statistics. People do not believe in God. People who have no hope. And so that's where he, we need orange cone guys. So in 2019, there's a guy named Carl who was really popular. And when he came out on, on Tuesday night, you would have thought the Astros just won the World Series, the way people erupted. But I didn't hear any banging trash cans. <laughs> Baseball joke. So, but anyways, the one that was really popular, this was really big this year, was Orange Cone Guy. And so there's this whole scenario where 
This guy is working in a, at, a rest, at a grocery store, H-E-B, which is really big down in Texas. And this girl comes in and she's like, oh, you gotta hear about Brad. And I have to, I have to admit, the way she talked, she reminded me of Whitney. <laughs> so I was looking, not necessarily what she said, but just the energy. And this is a good thing. But, by the way, so she starts going into this whole thing about bread and like how, you know, bread, you know, the baker and the, the farmer goes through all these people, how it gets to the store. And then she eventually goes, and then he goes down to the orange cone guy. The guy who his whole job is to put down orange cones and at the end pick them back up. I was like, well, what does it have to do with bread? Well, in order for the bread to get to the stores, it has to drive on roads. And in order for those roads to be maintained, somebody has to do construction. And when there's construction, somebody's got to set up those cones to make sure that it's repaired. So when it comes down to that little orange cone guy is playing a role to get bread to your homes. As a remind, it was a wonderful illustration of how vocation works. That every single human being has a calling and God places you in a place where he uses you to serve his, his earth, this world, but also he puts you in that place to be a witness of his love, to be a witness of his mercy, to tell people that through Christ, we are, we, we are reconciled to himself and all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. By the blood of his cross, you are reconciled to him. You have peace with him. Those things that we just went through, all those statistics, those are the middle words. Those are the things that we struggle with this, in this life. But Christ, who is in all things, in you, in your life, in whatever is going on, he is your captain, he is your guide, and he is going to lead you to the final word. And those final words are, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home and I give you rest. This is what it was all about. In all things. And believe me, this was all needed. The pandemic definitely did not help. But it was definitely was the message that was needed. So until that day comes, when we rejoice in the resurrection, to him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time,